Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 223, covering Image in the Sand and Shadows and Symbols. Hi friends, time for Season 7 of Deep Space Nine. The last season of Deep Space Nine. Yep. This is sad. It is sad, but it's the beginning of the end. Yep. Or the end of the beginning. (laughs) The end of our interest in this show. I didn't say that. (laughs) Did not say that. You said that, not me. Yes, I did. As has well been established. Me? I'm keeping an open mind. Keeping an open mind. Keeping an open mind about Voyager. Voyager. You may have heard me say that. Once or twice. Yeah. Might have come up. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is our last uh the the last time we get one of these great sort of like big, you know, here's a bunch of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like season openers like that's not even a reflection of, of my opinions of the other shows. It's just those shows I know didn't do the serialized stuff quite like this show did. Yeah. Like, here's 50 characters and where they are now. Yeah. Here's, here's Play, great stuff. Played out over, like, eight episodes. Yeah. Although I think these two are just, like, this is it. Like, this is the, uh, no, you might is the be season right. opener. We won't um, know for sure until we watch the next one and it goes, and now the conclusion. Well, no, because uh, Memory Alpha said. Oh. Well, if Memory Alpha says it, it's probably true. Yeah, I mean, that thing is maintained by nerds, and who knows nerd stuff better than nerds? Mm-hmm. Nobody, that's who. Uh, but because this is sort of a combined episode, like one you know, one thing continues into the next, the the way we typically do that is that we do both our summaries uh, like back-to-back, so I think we should do that, and then just discuss both of them sort of as one big thing. Very well. Because otherwise I will forget, and half the points I make for one episode will be about the other one, because I always do that. Yes. So first, why don't you tell us about Image in the Sand? What a great title. Is it? No. We rejoin our heroes in, well, it's less dire straits. One thing, Kira's been promoted to colonel, which I can which I can pretty much guarantee is going to ruin my Gold Ducat impression. Major. I mean, colonel. For another, Worf has his dick in a twist over something or other. It's probably not Jadzia being dead, as Julian points out helpfully that Klingons have a much shorter mourning period than humans. Failing to notice that this might be just, failing to notice that this might be just one more Klingon thing that Worf is fucking awful at. <laughs> fucking Worf. Meanwhile, the family Cisco is spending all their time at the restaurant. Cisco, while Ben tries to figure out what to do with his life, mostly by playing the piano and continuing to polish something. <laughs> Back on DS9, Admiral Ross informs Kira that the Romulans will be sending a senator and some other Romulan fellows to the station to help with the war effort. Kira is less than thrilled about this. The enemy of my enemy may be my friend, but they're both assholes, and I'd rather just murder them and save time. <laughs> That's the right-thinking philosophy that won the war against the Cardassians. Unfortunately for Kira's bad mood, the Romulan senator is actually pretty cool, being pretty, being straightforward with Kira, and also eating Bajoran popsicles. It's really infuriating when it turns out that she was hiding weapons on a Bajoran moon. Back on Earth, Ben finally receives a prophet vision about digging up a woman's face in the desert. And it turns out that the woman's face in question belongs to a woman! Ben's mother! Despite some protest from Papa Sisko, where he keeps running up the stairs when Ben asks him about it, Ben eventually gets the truth. His mother was some mystery woman who ran away, probably up some stairs. Back on DS9 again, Julian discovers that the reason Worf is in such a mood is that he's Worf, and Worf is terrible. I mean, Worf doesn't think that Jedzia is in Stovacor. 
Julian hooks Worf up with a mission with Martok to score Worf some honor points. Worf continues to be a jerk. There's a word in Klingon for thank you. Worf just never learned it. It's right next to good father and loyal worker who reliably shows up on time. Finally, back on Earth, yet again, Ben prepares to head to the desert planet in his dream when there's a knock at the door. It's new cute Dax. Hooray! Picking it up with the second part, Shadows and Symbols. We pick up right where we left off with fake Dax explaining the circumstances under which she became fake Dax. Apparently, she's not one of those best and brightest trill who go through the whole initiate program and earn the right to have a parasite permanently implanted inside them. No, she was just a convenient trill aboard the ship that was ferrying Dax back to the homeworld. Dax's condition worsened, they needed a host, and she was just... there. Also, we find out she's a Starfleet counselor, so she was just there is a pretty accurate description. <laughs> Fake Dax invites herself along on Sisko's ridiculous vision quest. Ben protests for a second before realizing that the rest of his entourage consists of an old man who's left Earth exactly once before and a writer who can't be bothered to get out of bed before noon. Yeah, maybe having a second Starfleet officer along with you might not be the worst idea. Meanwhile, on DS9, Kira realizes that that so-called Romulan hospital on one of Bajor's moons is actually a secret military base because Romulans. And on Martok's ship, Worf goes on that mission that Matt mentioned. Bashir comes along because he also loved Dax. O'Brien comes along because he loves Julian. And Quark is also there. Sisko and company arrive on Tyree, and after some baseball-related plot contrivances, he discovers the Orb of the Emissary, which is just buried in the sand on this remote planet for some reason? Yeah, I don't know. Just as Ben is about to open the thing, he flashes back to his life as Benny Russell. Now poor Benny's in a mental institution, literally scrawling the saga of DS9 on the walls. I'm just glad they gave him a pencil, because I've heard what crazy people use to write on the walls when they're not given a pencil. <laughs> in the loony bin, Dr. DeMar tries to talk Benny out of his old Star Trek hallucination, but he eventually resists what ends up becoming a false vision from the Paw Wraiths, opens the orb box, and restores the wormhole. Because, I don't know why. Then he has a vision where his mother reveals herself as a prophet who possessed some poor lady so that Ben could be born. I'm glad we skipped that episode. I hate possessions. Back at DS9, Kira and a small fleet of ships is ready to fight the Romulans over that secret base thing. But Admiral Ross realizes at the last minute that Kira's probably never going to back down and decides to take her side. Back on the Klingon ship, the Klingons do some Klingon crap, and I guess Jadzia's in heaven now? But Dax isn't. Dax is back on the station, tagging along with Ben as he triumphantly returns home. Yeah, Trill going back to the workplace of her previous host, interacting with her old friends and co-workers. That seems like a great idea that can't possibly backfire for anyone. It's not like the Trill have any rules about it, this kind of thing. Or that we devoted an entire fucking episode to it. Several episodes, as I recall. Mm -hmm. But that's not important right now. No, it's not, because she shows up at the very end, and really, we should talk about the stuff that actually happened. Yep. Which is a lot. Yeah. It was a busy couple of episodes. I was actually reading on Memory Alpha where they're like, we wanted to do a extremely quiet return to the series. Did you? No big war stuff. Yeah. Big fleet of Romulan ships and yep. blowing up a shipyard and just all kinds of stuff. So quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maintaining the, the, the various uh, dramatic arcs of our 17 characters. Yep. Three three plots going on in these two episodes. Yeah. There's a, there's a None of which bit. take place on DS9 now that I think about it. Well, Kira's kind of does. I, mean, I guess, right yeah. outside, but yeah. Um... But there's a great bit, I think, at the and this is why I wanted to do both summaries, because I don't remember which episode is which half the time in, in these two-parters. And this is one of those cases. I think it's toward the end of the second episode. Yeah, it is the end of the second episode, where all three things are happening, and they're all three sort of going into their third act. Mm -hmm. And everything's just happening really quick, and you get about 
30 seconds of each thing, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's, yep. it's really effective. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. So yeah, quiet episode. Yep. Very quiet. Yeah. So yeah, Jedzy is gone. Yep. She's completely dead, like not coming back. Yep. And now we have new Dax. Yeah. Esri. Yes. Who is adorable. Let's, like, we got to start somewhere. Let's, might as well start there. I'm, I'm genuine, like, I like her, mm-hmm. but I'm genuinely surprised you do. You tend to take the, uh, they changed it, they took away somebody I like, and I don't like her. No. Nope. Like, I kind of figured this would be another, oh, where'd, where'd Beverly go? I don't like Dr. Pulaski. You would think, right? But you failed yeah. to take into the count that I love cute little pixie chicks, so. Wait, is, is that it? No, I also think she's funny, but it's a good start. Okay. Because, yeah, she, like, liking someone just because they're attractive, not enough. No, I know. Just, okay. like, liking, not liking Dr. Pulaski because she was old was was not enough. Yeah, exactly. And you were end up, you ended up being won over because yep. she's a pretty good character. But, okay, so that's just your knee jerk. Like, she's yep. cute, so I'll give her a chance. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. She happens to be, like, I happen to quite like her when she actually starts doing things in the, in the uh, second episode. Well, and that's, <clears throat> that's your good thing for the second episode. Yeah, I like, um... Like, she just comes into the show just all, like, neurotic and kind of out of it. She is, but she's not that sort of, like, quirky romantic comedy. No. Like, like, it's not like that. It, it's, she's a fuck-up. She, like, like I said in my summary, she's not supposed to be a host. Yeah. She hasn't been screened. She was just convenient, and now she's stuck with it. The thing I like, though, is that up until, like, ten minutes ago, she wasn't a fuck-up. She was really good at, like, her whole deal. Right. Like, they, well, I yeah, think she's she, mentioned, Starfleet, so. she mentioned something about being fast-tracked for something or other, like... Mm-hmm. And then they stick a trill... Or they stick a, a, a symbiote in her, and it completely fucks her up. Yeah. Now she's just like, I don't know what's happening anymore. And she's she's hearing voices. She's literally just suddenly all these memories. Like, yep. uh, was was that a uh, was that Toman? Was that was that Curzon? I, I don't know. There's a scene I like where she goes to the the uh, the replicator, orders a coffee, drinks it, and then realizes she fucking hates coffee. Yeah, Rectagino. Yeah, she's been ordering that nonstop through her previous two lifetimes. Yep. It's like I hate this shit. Now she has a mouth that doesn't like it. Like, God oh. damn it. Yeah. Get me some sort of the other alien tea or something. I don't know. No, I like that. And I I do like her. And I was reading, they were having real trouble finding her. Mm -hmm. Like, they knew she had to be a woman because they didn't want Kira to be the only woman in the main cast, which is good. But they, obviously, she could not be anything like Jadzia because then we would just not stop comparing her. I I like the description of who they're looking for as they wanted someone spooky. Yeah. Which Which I don't get from her at all. No. Well, I think at that point, they're just like, that that idea is not working at all. But just, like, what, what was the plan here? You were going to, like, some goth chick comes in. I'm Dax now. <laughs> I'm not sure, Benjamin! I'm, sure what, I'm not sure what spooky means in that context. <laughs> we should have just hired David Duchovny. Yeah. That, that, well, he was a little busy at this point. It was, like, 1997. I suppose that's true. He probably was up to something or other. Yeah. Maybe starring um, in Evolution. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> or Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, I I do like her, and uh, it's uh, Nicole DeBoer is how I think you say the name. Yeah, she was. Um, I know her as uh, she often played uh, Bruce McCullough's girlfriend in Kids <laughs> in the Hall sketches. Yep, when Bruce would play the uh, I don't remember the character's name off the top of my head, Bobby or something like that. The kid in the uh, Zelda hat. Uh, no, 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 no. The um the 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 teenager 
the uh, the the the, the mullety like um, oh, okay yeah yeah metal yeah. kid. Could you stop the world? We broke up. That guy. Yeah yeah okay I know exactly who you mean now. And she was always his girlfriend with like the, the similar sort of metalhead stoner look. Like hey, what's up? Oh shit! Now I gotta look this up. Yeah no, and and she's adorable. Uh huh. But she also played kind of like snotty and like she she did really well. Mm-hmm. She was also the nerd chicken cube, which is a horror movie I I quite like. I have not seen that. But uh, looking over uh, other things she's been in, she's also been in a lot of sort of like sci-fi TV series. Take take that for what you will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is this is I think the best thing she's probably been in, and uh, and I like her so far. Yeah. And, and like I said, the show does a really good job of immediately establishing. Yeah, we know we know you miss old Dex. This is not old Dex. This is somebody different. Yep. Although she does still like, it seems like the she's got that sort of uh, rapport with uh, Ben right out of the dock. Well, and that's the thing, Jadzia. We saw their first meeting, and she also had that. Yeah. Like that's happened before, where she was already Curzon, so she just stepped back in. Just hey. Yeah. Me again. Now, this will come up in later episodes, because like I said, this just happens at the very end. She just shows up and slots right in. Like, I guess she lives on DS9 now? I Apparently. Which seems like a bad idea. I don't know. If but I recall, I think the next episode is pretty much devoted to her. Which it's is not a, the next episode, a very soon episode. Yeah, I mean, that's you know. a good idea when you have a new character. It's like, yeah, we better give you an episode. But also to deal with the fact that we're not supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, and I don't, I actually don't remember what capacity she comes to the to the station in, but we've not had a counselor to this point. No. Maybe they could use one. It's probably not a bad idea, considering the amount of whack jobs on this ship, or on this yeah. station. I, I do like, there's, she has a conversation with Jake, and she says she's a counselor, and he just, like, his eyes go wide, like, you're, you're a counselor? Oh my god. But, but you're a fucking nut job. What? And, you know... In my experience, like back, like college age, like you know, in my late teens, early twenties, like the crazy ones always were psych majors, so that that fits. It's all about finding out what's wrong with me. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can help me understand why I'm fucking nuts. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Well, maybe I'll be a theater major instead. Those guys are normal. There you right? go. Yeah. Uh, so what else? Oh, uh, in terms of new characters, I don't think she sticks around, but the senator, the Romulan senator. I liked her a lot. She was my good thing about the first episode. Yeah, she, she is fantastic. She's super unique. Like, she shows up, like, pretty much just like, oh, well, I'm, excuse me, well, I'm pretty much here to help as much as I possibly yeah, can. Yeah, your version of her was very Kermit. Yes. She has a very, let's go with unique voice. I like her voice, actually. I do, too. And I, honestly, I don't think it sounds that much like your impression, but your impression is funny, so I don't care. <laughs> So go ahead. No, we just we start off with Kira like uh, Romulans on my station. I don't know about that. Yeah. And then she shows up, and the first thing is like, "Yeah, we're aware that Romulans <laughs> that Romulans are assholes, but I'm going to try and help you out as much as possible, and also eat this Bajoran popsicle stick so that you'll think that I, so that you'll think I'm a good person." No, she does a lot of like disarming. Like you know what Kira's uh, concerns are. Yeah. And she sort of immediately like. Like, uh, short circuits them, like, like heads them off before they even become a thing. Like, yeah, I know you think we're arrogant. We're not. Or I'm not. <laughs> no, it's like, I know you think we're we're arrogant. We absolutely are. Well, okay, yeah, but but she's still trying but to I'm a, seem... But I'm aware of the fact. Yeah, and I'm trying my best to be approachable. Yeah. That, that's, that's more accurate, ah. I guess. But <laughs> it's great because we start the scene in, I guess, wherever they've set up with, with quarters on the station. Mm. Ugh, this Federation... 
technology is terrible and we don't know how to the and then she, Kira walks in and they they kind of quiet down and she's like yeah this federation technology is terrible hi how are you <laughs> it's nice to meet you like she's she's refreshingly honest yeah we'll send you up some romulan chairs yeah it's 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 nice and it's nice cuz Kira right like she has been promoted as you said mm-hmm. uh she's a colonel now which is great um, and I was reading, apparently Nana Visitor requested that, because it's like, wait a minute, half the cast has been promoted since the show started. Isn't it my turn? Fucking Nog is an ensign now at this point. Like, yeah. uh... And, and I, apparently the producers reacted the way I would react if someone pointed that out to me. Shit, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, that was, oh... <laughs> also, that was not intentional. Let's promote you. <laughs> also, since you're not in the real military, we can basically give you whatever rank you want. Welcome no. back, Admiral. No, 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 no. The the uh, the Bajoran militia is based on like like uh, Starfleet stuff is based on uh, navy ranks yeah. and this is based on army ranks like colonel comes after major oh yeah that makes sense that's it's normal like totally normal um but uh, I I like she be, between the promotion and between Cisco being gone like she suddenly got a whole lot more responsibility mm-hmm. like she's got a higher rank but she's also got like she is in charge of DS nine now yep and so it's nice to throw her into that like. Like, her big thing here is this conflict with the senator. Yeah. And it's, like, she's got a great adversary. Like, Gul Dukat was the perfect adversary for, for Kira, but he's busy right now. Yeah, very, very busy. He just, I, I don't remember, like, he Cra- ran off into the distance just cackling about the devil or whatever. Crazy. But, yeah. Crazy. Anyway. But, um, but but Kira now has, has another great adversary who is her equal, who can be like, and, and in the second episode, it gets down to them. It's a very like tense Cuban missile crisis type thing where they're staring each other down. Yep. And it's perfect. They're, they're so well suited to each other. Mm. I just, I love Starfleet's whole thing. It's just like, yeah, no, it's awful what they, what they're doing. We can't really afford yeah, we need to this, get though. rid of them is the thing. I also get the feeling that, that Starfleet kind of knew, not that that would happen specifically, but I bet they were pr- like, okay. We're bringing the Romulans into the fold. There's going to be... We're, there's an acceptable level of them doing Romulan shit. Yeah, exactly. That we're just going to have to accept, say, 10% Romulan. Yeah, unfortunately, no one decided to tell the Bajorans that... Yeah, and the Bajorans, for their part, you know, they're totally sympathetic here, which is they, they just kicked a major player in the Alpha Quadrant out of their planet, and now here comes another one from fucking Beta Quadrant. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, we're just going to point some guns at your planet. No big deal, right? It's a hospital. It's like, do we have to cycle through every single villainous race in Star Trek before people will leave us alone? Yeah. Uh, Major, there's, or excuse me, Colonel, there's a message here from the Gorn uh, government. It just says, God damn it. <laughs> Get me my stout club. Yep. I, sorry, I traded it for these uh, precious stones. Damn it, Quark! Hey, it was a good deal. These stones are really precious. <laughs> I could sell them to you. I mean, if you're interested. Yeah. Um. But no, I I like I like where Kira is now. Plus, I like her hair. Oh yeah. She's got different hair now, and it looks way better than some of her previous hair. Mm-hmm. Um. But I just her continuing arc, like she after Cisco has had the most fascinating arc of this of this series. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, going you know. from a, a hothead, barely retired rebel. Uh huh. Now she is so the man. Yep. And you and I know where this is going. It's going to even go a little further. Yeah, it is actually. And it's it's been like this is she's almost to that point. Yeah. It's 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 just been a fascinating arc, and 
there's a point where she's talking to Admiral Ross about all this Romulan crap and like, yeah, Starfleet lodged a protest. She's like, okay, that's, but what does that do? Well, 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 nothing. well we lodged a protest. They lodged a counter protest. Politics. Yeah, that's how this stuff works. It's just, that's international diplomacy or interstellar diplomacy. Well, fuck that. When do I get to blow something up? And so, yeah, we still see the rebel gleaning through there. Like, yeah. she's still got a, a hint of like, but we need, I don't give a damn about your protests. We need to, but then like, but I'm a colonel now. Okay, how do I do this? Yeah. So it's it's great just seeing her grow up. But the dams I don't give. <laughs> what about the dams? I so I, I really enjoyed that, and uh, she's still with Odo. There's not much there, but no, but uh, nice. it's still it's still nice. I mean, with all the stuff going on, I'm not complaining. No, but they did sort of check in with them, and her, a couple of scenes of her having downtime or needing someone to confide in. It's him, mm -hmm. and it's nice. It's nice seeing them. Like I like it. Incidentally, surprising nobody, Odo is the exactly the type of boyfriend who's like, remember when we got together? Yeah. Know how in love we are? Okay, so so we know the season finale was three months ago, right? Yeah. Like. Like they've been saying three months ago, three months ago. Yep. And around then was when they celebrated their one month anniversary. Yep. So they've been together four months. Yep. And he's still constantly reminiscing about their first kiss. Yep. That sounds like Odo. After four months. That absolutely sounds like Odo. Oh, it does. He thinks it's, he thinks it makes him more human, but it just makes him irritated. Oh, God. It's the anniversary of our first kiss again. Uh, it's been three months. Son of a bitch. Okay. Is this just another plot by Quark to get you distracted because i thought you saw through that the first time quark's like it's working really well <laughs> business is way up yeah so okay i think we, i think we've touched on on that uh so this whole wharf thing let's let's talk about that yep um this is really your bad thing for the first episode isn't it yep i'm about done with wharf yeah yep i am so fucking sick of his pissy fucking moods all the time Okay, his his wife, yep. his, his parmakai, did yep. die. Yep. Like, we've never seen him actually in love with someone for a long period of time. We've seen him dating. Yep. We saw him with Kalar briefly, but this has been, a like, a, the first nice long-term relationship he's had. Yep. He's, he, I think he's entitled to a little grief. I think he's got, he's got the, he has got a perfect, absolutely foolproof excuse for this. And I'm still, <laughs> I'm still done. Okay. I do not care anymore. Remember how excited we were when this character showed up on DS9? Absolutely. And now you hate him. And now I'm just done with him. It's not like this comes from out of nowhere. No, if you... You've been, your, your hatred of him has been building since it, early next gen. We've been watching this. Ha like, no one can say I haven't earned this, okay? Yeah, no, this isn't like, Matt, why you? Why do you suddenly hate Worf? No, this is not coming out of nowhere. I have watched, no. like, of all of Worf's appearances at this point, I've seen all of them. No, all we have is this little bit of DS9 left. Yeah. We watched all of Next Gen and the Next Gen movies. This is it. And I mean, in my defense, I've also seen all of those episodes, so... Yeah. But it's like, no, I'm finished. I am so I'm so sick of him just being an asshole to all the other characters. Eh, it doesn't bother me. It, it's very in-character for him, and it doesn't bother me. And I do like the idea, in, in principle, I like the idea of we have to help Jadzia's soul get to heaven or, mm. you know, the Klingon equivalent. Of no, no, it's nice. I like seeing all the other guys just like, uh, sort of hopping on board with that. When, uh, when Quark shows up on the ship at the beginning of the second episode, I'm like, Oh yes. However, that's adorable. That is my bad thing for the second episode. I like Quark. Mm -hmm. I like the contrast of Quark against other more serious characters. I like him as the comic relief, but why exactly was he on that mission? Did he do anything? No, I, I, I think it's. I think it would have been really important for that, uh, for that episode, for him to have done 
something. Like, okay, I, I, again, from, from an audience perspective, from I am Al and I like watching Quark on Star Trek, it was great. Mm-hmm. But in story, it made no sense. Why would they agree to bring him when he adds nothing? You know, like like O'Brien and Bashir have skills. They do. They're, you know, like they're both very good at what they do. And even if they don't need Bashir as a doctor, he's got like extensive knowledge because of his whole genetically engineered thing. Mm-hmm. and he could he could probably run the weapons or run navigation or whatever like he's he's pretty like uh, like a utility guy well, like I mean, he can do anything none of none of these guys was really necessary like this this no, no, mission no, they definitely weren't necessary but they did jobs we saw O'Brien yeah. and Bashir do stuff yeah all Quark really does is hang around on the bridge and uh be sarcastic Make comments yeah. yeah which is again from an audience perspective is fine yeah that's fine, fine. That's... it adds a little levity to these serious klingon but scenes. it would have it would have been really good for this episode if we had had you know like something goes off and he has to run down to engineering and fix something or plug something back in or whatever i would i would rather he use his own skills like they have to bribe their way into something or yeah. I, I don't know unfortunately that's hard to do with the when you're fighting the jemhadar right there's nothing they want yeah or maybe he has contacts that that can get them information to lead them you know like yeah it's not difficult no quark has all kinds of like like there are no characters on the show more than quark that have that you could easily say are connected to basically anybody in star trek Mm -hmm. oh yeah i know this guy he owes me a favor like that's probably true yeah so yeah but no he's just just hanging out and it's you know it would be it would be nice at this point now that Jed Z is gone for uh, Worf to finally have a reason not to hate this guy. I like Martok's like I've I've said this many times, but I still think it that Martok is so accepting. Like we see so much sort of casual racism, and it's not it's not meant to be racism, but, but really it is. It is, yeah. Everyone's like, "You're a Romulan. You act this way. You're a Ferengi. You act this way." Like everybody does that. Yep. Martok never does that. He's uh, uh, for uh, uh, Quark shows up on the ship, and he looks like Martok looks at him, and he's like, "You're a bartender. What are you doing here? It's not you're a Ferengi. You're not a warrior. Yeah, it's, it, you're you're a, not, you, this yeah, is yeah, not this is not your job." He judges him based on what he does, not what he is. Yeah, and I love that. I, that's just so Martok. Martok is so inclusive. Yeah, it's just like welcome aboard, man. We've seen him do it before. We got we got room for Klingons of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, actually, I, yeah, it was the, it was it was another Ferengi. It was Nog. I was yeah. trying to think of another time he did that. It was Nog when when he, he came to respect him. Yeah, it's not that he was a Ferengi that he didn't respect him. It's that he's three three apples high. <laughs> and he came to respect him because he looked him in the eye and said, "It is my job to tell you to move along, so move along." Yep. And I just, I don't know. That's just the thing I've always liked about Martok. Yeah, no, he's he's just he's a great character. And also, his first appearance in the first episode was Worf's uh, working out on the Hollow Suite, doing his fight thing, and Martok just walks in holding a batleth and says, "Worf, defend yourself!" Like that, not "Hey, how's it going? Can I join you?" I feel like this is pretty much how these two always greet each other at this point, you know? I know, but I love that. It's it's awesome. It's just just you, Martok. Need. Martok back on the station. Hey, man. Yep. Okay. Let's All fight. Right. Are we done with our official meetings? Okay, I gotta go say hi to Worf. Gotta get my bat left. It's like, uh, what's his face? Um, from the Pink Panther. I don't know. Um. Inspector Clouseau? Yeah, his, uh, he had, uh, he had a, a butler or something who who always tried to beat him up. Ah. I never actually saw those. I need yeah. to at some point. I just, Pretty good. I haven't, yeah. The first one, at least. Yeah. Um. 
okay, my good thing for the, for the first episode. I've said it before, but I want to point it out again. The show does season finales and season premieres so well. Yeah, it does. Like, so much stuff is changing. So many characters are on their way somewhere. Like, everyone's in the middle of an arc. And I said this last year, like, or last season, and I stand by it. Like, like Kira's doing a thing, and Cisco's doing a thing, and Worf's doing it. Like, everyone's got a very clear character development thing going on, and they juggle this all so well. And then the, the, the cliffhanger at the end of the first episode is like, Oh, hi, Dax is back. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. And I just, I remember, you know, I've said this before too, but I remember back in, this would have been 97. Like, oh God, I waited all summer to see what was going to happen. And now I got to wait another week, you yep. sons of bitches. Just just tell me everything now. <sighs> Damn you, serialized television. It's It was so new. Yep. It was so outside my experience at that point, especially with Star Trek, mm. but in general. Like, okay, you have a cliffhanger, and then you come back and you resolve the cliffhanger. You don't keep going. That Like, it, I said this on Twitter uh, today. Uh, the the four words that are that are music to your ears, but also agonizing. And now the continuation. Damn it! Not the conclusion, but the continue. You know they're not going to wrap everything up. Yep. And it's like, yay, there's going to be more, but uh, there's going to be more! <sighs> I love it. I, I just, I love it. Why can't I be watching it now? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we can, but, yeah, you know, I just, it, it reminds me of back in the day. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, I, I was so excited that this was happening because it was so different, but I was also so frustrated because I spent all summer in chat rooms and stuff speculating, talking about what, like, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we, oh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, my bad thing for the first episode. Uh, uh, okay. Ben's Jim Jams. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the civilian clothes, this is something Amanda's pointed out to me that I didn't notice a lot, but now I do. The civilian clothes in Star Trek are never great. I Ben spends the last half of this episode, and a good chunk of the next one, um, wearing what looks like a suit jacket over like the weird flowy tarps that everyone wears on Earth. Except the collar is cut down to, like, like it's a square collar that's cut down to, like, his collarbone. Yeah. It's like, just wear clothes, guys. Yeah. No, and and at one point he is wearing gym jams and like a um a bathrobe. Yep. And it's just ridiculous. I would actually happily buy that action figure, especially if it came with like with like dad bear slippers. Oh, what we need is is uh, alternate uh, action figures for all the captains in their sleepwear. Yes, exactly. I, I'm thinking Picard and Cisco, but I'm sure you could come up with something for Kirk and Janeway and uh, Archer as well. I can almost guarantee that uh, Kirk slept naked. I, most likely, yeah. Or maybe in like little bikini briefs or something. Yeah. He but, probably I mean, he probably had like a uh, like a dressing gown that he lounged in, like uh, like Hugh Hefner. Yeah, I but there was nothing that. on underneath of it. No, absolutely not. Uh, and the rest we haven't been to yet, so we don't know. I just, I know these two, like, we've seen them in their sleepwear, so we know. I can pretty much guarantee that Janeway wears the most mom nightgown you can imagine. I Probably. This is a very mom vibe to It's her. like if you remember what Beverly used to wear when she was, uh... <laughs> yeah. While she was enjoying her, uh, her two glasses of wine in the evening. While reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um... But so so the, the the stuff Ben's wearing is a bit ridiculous, and then that scene, where okay, so Ben has a vision of of this woman's face, yeah, 
and he's trying to figure out he's using like software to put together this face and jake's like i've seen that when i was digging around in the basement in a in a in a box that grandpa marked secret do not open jake <laughs> that's so a weird I, thing to put on a box of course i opened it um but uh but so they're, they're like dad what, what what is this nothing never mind go away and like, there's absolutely nothing to see here and there never was there ain't yeah. no monorail and there never was but it's like this guy, one of the things I really like about him is he's got a very clear understanding of human nature. Yes. You got to know if you say nothing, leave it alone, don't ask. Like, that's going to make him ask more. Mm-hmm. What, what's wrong with you, man? My assumption is that he panicked. Yeah. Just, I didn't I mean, expect to see did, but I didn't yeah. expect to see this woman today. Oh, no. <laughs> Jake, you got into my mystery box. It said do not open, Jake. I'm a writer. I don't read what people say. <laughs> No, you didn't put a comma there. It said, do not open Jake. I made absolutely certain that I did not open myself. <laughs> Don't touch Willie. Good advice. Damn writers. Damn you writers. Now go bring this. Now I've lost the, now I've lost the voice. Oh, well. Um... Ben, have you opened the box yet? <laughs> no, Grandpa. <laughs> I don't know why we hit on the fact that you started doing this and it's hilarious. That he's off screen for all the adventure. It's not that. It's that he's in the distance. Because he's an old man and he's trudging by slowly. So there's this scene at the end, and I'll get to the I'll get to the other part of this in a minute, yeah. where uh, Jake or uh, Ben digs up this little box that has the the orb of the emissary in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens, like, all this stuff is happening, and in the background you can see uh, Papa Cisco sitting in the shade of a rock. Yeah. And I just pictured him going, Jake, has he opened the box yet? Not yet, Grandpa. He's still looking at it. Well, tell me when episode, he opens it. The rest of the episode, you're like, so is he? So is he having visions? Yes, Grandpa, he's having visions. Well, what are they? I don't know. They're well, inside his head, not mine. Well, tell him. Well, when he wakes up, you tell me. I will, Grandpa. <laughs> God damn it. But uh, it, again, his his sort of over dramatic. I'm not gonna tell you like that. That's a little much. Nobody's gonna pry this secret from me. What if I ask you a second time? Well, all right. <laughs> what if I give you a Scooby snack? Well, all right. Put it in some gumbo. What? Why don't you try the? Damn it! I've completely lost the voice now. I had it. Have you tried the shrimp creole? Try the jambalaya. The maybe. jambalaya, Ben. Yeah. No, I don't. Major. Anyway. Um. So, so yeah, it, it turns out that, let's see if we get this right. At one point in the past, a prophet mm-hmm. possessed the body of some poor woman who yep. was not aware of it. Yep. Long enough for uh, Joseph Sisko to, young Joseph Sisko, uh, we saw a picture of him, by the way, quite a handsome man. Yep. Um, to, to fall in love with, marry, impregnate, have a baby with, and then for her to break up with him, uh, presumably the, the Pa Wraith, or the Pa, uh, the, uh, fuck. Pa Wraith? Prophet. The Prophet. No, oh, the prophet. the prophet. Yeah, I could not think of the word Prophet. It just <laughs> completely left my head. They abandoned me. Um, just it, uh, left her body, and she's like, oh, uh, I'm married to you? I live in Australia. Can you imagine how horrible this would be for this poor woman? Yeah. I, who I assume was on vacation and then just never went home? I guess, because, yeah, they say she's from Australia, and he lives in New Orleans. Yeah, so, it's like, yeah. like, just to wake up one day, and it's like, oh, I'm married to this dude, and I have a, 
I saw, I've had a son for a year and yeah, I uh, hmm. and then just one day, just like, well, what the fuck happened? Yeah, you just suddenly wake up. That's horrible, and no one seems to notice that it's horrible. No, it's definitely horrible. They 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 give a little lip service to it, but not much. Yeah, and then I, I guess got... she died like a couple of years later. Yeah, hopefully unrelated. I would not, you know. Yeah. The prophets put a bomb in her car. Well, that's they don't want him asking questions. Yeah, I guess. No, I, I don't know. Just horrible. Yeah, it's it's not great. But also, this is kind of my bad thing uh, for uh, the the first episode. Although it's really more revealed in the second. Mm. I, but it's a bad thing. Um, I don't love the secret destiny. Like he had to come to the wormhole because he was predestined to do that. Like I don't I don't love that kind of. Yeah, thing. I'm not real. It's sort of. And the thing is, I don't mind all this magic prophet stuff and all the visions. No, stuff. it's like, uh, the show's actually really made it work. Yeah, and I like the big mythology of it. I mm. like. I've said that many times before. I love the the sort. He feels like an archetypal hero, like a like a I got uh, enlightenment from the gods, and now I'm going to use it to save people. Like it's so sort of ancient Greek and like like Joseph Campbell mythology stuff. I, Cisco, I love it. Cisco's always felt like uh, King Arthur to me. Yeah, but I mean, it's all that classic hero stuff. Yeah, it, you know, King Arthur or Luke Skywalker, or, yeah. you know, a million other characters like that. Like, it, I love it. It really works. But this, I think, is a step too far. The fact that his mother, like, he was predestined to be born, and he's actually half prophet. Him making him half prophet that doesn't bother me. It's the destiny stuff that I. Well, it all it all goes together. To yeah, me. I don't know. And. On the other hand, I mean, it does make sense from a writing standpoint because, okay, but then what's special about him? Like, we've seen he's good at his job. We've seen he's a good leader. But we've met other good leaders before. What's yeah. particularly special about him? And th I don't know how I don't have an answer to that. So yeah. maybe it is his special destiny. I don't know. Yeah. But even still, it's not my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, they so then they get together with like once they figure out what's going on, and he's had a vision about a planet and a, and a desert and a planet. He goes there, and they bring fake Dax along with them. Yeah, and he just starts digging. And here's where your other bad thing comes. <sighs> so, Cisco is well aware of the fact, like this appears in a dream, that he's going to need to do some digging. <laughs> he's going to need to dig up this box with this orb in it. And so he decides to bring with him a shovel that is about a foot long. <laughs> this shovel is so small, it looks like it should have it should have been accompanied by a small blue pail that could be made to make a sand castle. You were really, really bothered by this shovel. He, the thing is, he spends, like, all of this time mucking around in the sand, digging this hole, and he could not be working harder for less of a hole. Have you ever tried to dig a hole in the yes, sand? Yes, I actually have Futile. tried to dig a dig a hole in the sand before. What you need to do is bring tools that are more used that are more built for sand digging. No, no, no. Sand is like I hate sand. It's coarse. And... Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's it, but it is very like as soon as you dig up some sand, sand will immediately sift back into the hole. Like that's just how sand works. Yes, and so it doesn't I... matter what kind of shovel you're using. Okay, then there are there are probably other tools you could have you could have brought. But he brings this tiny shovel and then proceeds to muck around in the dirt. I want to be very clear on how this looks as he flails frantically at this hole he's trying to dig, and sand billows everywhere, just sliding back into the hole. It just doesn't bother me. And then. 
and then he digs up the box, has it out for about twenty, about long enough for his dad to yell at him from the rock, and then starts trying to bury it again, and that doesn't work either. Look, okay, first of all, it's not that ridiculous. Looking. It's absolutely that ridiculous looking. No. Second of all, it's clearly part of some kind of Starfleet survival pack where you get cra- you crash on a hostile planet and you have like all these different tools for survival, and so it's compact and it's part of a kit and it's not like a giant thing. Then it should telescope out, but it doesn't. It's just a foot long shovel. Well, what would what would a longer handle do? Like, it, what would that accomplish? It for one thing, it means you don't have to crouch and shovel. You can stand up. It's not going to do your back in. That's what it's worse for your back to bend over and do it. God, it's better just to get on the ground and do it. God damn it! I hate this shovel. I, you've made that very clear. Yes, and you need more dicks for the dick ship too. God damn it! <laughs> you knew that. what you knew what was going to happen, Ben. Bring the tools for the job. You even dreamed about a longer shovel. <laughs> My good thing is the shovel. I thought. That was <laughs> Fucking shovel! I you, I don't remember you ever being so angry at an inanimate object before. <laughs> Poor shovel! I mean, it didn't ask to be in this movie. I mean, it may have happened, but we're two hundred some episodes in. It's probably happened before. Right? I'm pretty sure at some point I've been this mad at an inanimate object. I don't remember it though. <laughs> that is well within my personality. That is true. Uh, my good thing for part two was there. There is this fantastic callback to Far Beyond the Stars where he's, you know, the 50s episode where he's Benny Russell and oh, yeah, this is great. racism and all that stuff. Um, so he, he, he's digging with his fantastic shovel, <laughs> with his perfect shovel that is perfect for the job that he's doing. You fucking um, asshole. And he digs out the, of course, still not orb-shaped orb. And uh, before he opens the box, he gets, suddenly he flashes and Benny Russell uh, is in an institution. I mentioned this in my summary. And, like, uh, uh, it's great because we've seen all the other guys sort of out of their prosthetic makeup before, and we haven't seen Damar, and now he's, like, the the attendant, like, the, the doctor, like, you, you're you crazy, man. You have to stop doing this. Yep. No! I can't stop! I have to write! And, and okay, I know all of Star Trek isn't a dream. We, we clearly know that. Yeah. If this show existed on its own without the original series or TNG, maybe. But probably not. We know that, but he doesn't. And it's a genuinely creepy moment for him where for just an instant, he's that guy again. Yeah. Wait, maybe all this other stuff wasn't real. Maybe this is real and I'm nuts. Yeah. And it turns out, no, it's it's a false vision from the Paul Wraiths trying to like trying to one last ditch effort to make him not open that box. Yeah. Which is so great. It's It's great to tie that episode in so that it wasn't just a standalone thing. It's a greater reminder of that episode i but it's just a good moment for him too the fact that they bring it back is like you know it like him doing the whole benny russell thing is such a just became such an important part of the character yeah but it could have just been a this is a cool what if one-off episode yeah exactly which is why i'm glad they brought it back bringing it back solidifies it as a part of his character instead of just a thing that happened to him once and it's a part of the way the prophets communicate with him yeah and the paw wraiths knowing this are using that yeah to get in there and like okay this is how you learn huh this is how you'll listen well guess what we're gonna use this to make you think you're crazy it was all just a crazy dream what no and actually my quote oh please please i i don't remember if this is the first non non like words quote 
my quote is just some laughing because it's so great when he just when he's in full on crazy mode he does this amazing sort of like Frank Gorshin is the Riddler laugh yep. it's just so fantastic and that's here you want me to paint over my story they're only words <laughs> meaningless words that no one cares about get rid of them and you can walk out of here a free man fucking brilliant that guy that guy when when he gets to turn it up all the way yep he oh wow fucking avery brooks man yeah he's so good yeah he is and there's so much like throughout this episode both episodes he's so intense like a lesser actor really would not carry like i'm having crazy visions and i'm mourning my dead friend and now i'm half a god yeah like there's a lot of like potential for mishandling or overplaying like yeah. the, the 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 melodrama of this. Well, I mean, he we've said this before. Right. He overplays, but it always works with him. Right. But a, a lesser actor would just either play it too serious yeah. or too campy. Yeah. And he's he finds that sweet spot. Nails it. Yeah. It's so good. Um and yeah, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> Avery Brooks is a good actor. Yep. I, we, I feel like we got to this point around season seven of Next Gen, too. Yeah, you know. Patrick Stewart's Stewart, still a pretty good actor. But really, the guys they have leading these shows, so good. Yep. So good. Um, yep. Okay, so let's see. We have done good and bad things for the first episode, I believe. Um, We haven't and... talked about the raid on the sun at all. Oh, please, let's do. Uh, I, I found that all kind of boring. I, I'm kind of done with Klingon stuff. I like I like me a decent space action sequence, as may sure. have popped up once or twice uh, as the as last season uh, wound down. Um, so basically, the uh, the uh, attempt to redeem Jadzia, which, mm-hmm. by the way, um, so does does finding like I mentioned this briefly in my summary, but. Does finding the sword of Kalos not get you a place in Stovacor? I feel like that's a big honorable thing. Yeah, I mean, she found the the holy grail of their culture, mm-hmm. which should be the most holy thing of all. Yeah, you would think that's like that's a one way you get to go straight to the best yeah. parts of Stovacor, where the sweatiest battles are. Right. Which I assume but, is what people want. Yeah, but okay, but besides that, yeah, I love the. Is there anything more DS9 than the futility of going through this mission, making sure Dax is in Stovacor, and then doodly, 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 hi, I'm Dax, I'm still alive. <laughs> like, I know that's not what it is. They're talking about Jedzia. I get it. She's a different person. Yep. But still, to Worf, it must feel like, okay, closure. Like, now I'm done. Now that part of my life is behind me. I can try to move on. Oh, look, here she is again. Son of a bitch! You could actually see... There's a moment, right? At the very end of the episode, there's this huge celebration when Cisco gets back on the station, right? Yeah. We've seen this a couple of times. All the Bajoran oh, great. people he, run out he to He hoists see a child up on his shoulder. Yeah, and it's just... Like, it's, the emissary's back. I'm, everything's okay. And who sh- who sneaks in behind him and is really good at sneaking because she's not very big? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the new Dax... Who goes, Ezra. I'm the new Dax, Worf, we have to talk. Yeah. And Hi, Worf, I'm Dax, by the way. Worf turns on the heel and walks away. I mean, what? Seriously. I just spent three months mourning and then doing this super intense thing to, to seriously, like, bring closure. Like, okay, you can say it was religious reasons. You can say it's about her spirit or whatever. But yeah. seriously, we all know it's it's psychological. It's yeah. so Worf can put this away. Yeah. 
and now he can't. It's just like, well, but like I say, so DS9. Guess who you're going to be seeing every day, Worf? That is that is quintessentially this show. It's just like, oh fuck. I'll be in my but, quor- I'll be in my quarters with eight bottles of blood wine. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you were saying about the uh, the space mission. Okay, so the actual space mission is to they basically go to this uh uh Dominion uh, shipyard and they're going to nuke the uh the sun so it's supernovas and fucking takes or possibly just solar flares. I wasn't yeah, quite sure. Yeah, I think sure. they just make a solar flare. Right. But it'll take out the entire uh the entire uh, uh shipyard. shipyard. Yeah, great looking shipyard by the way, which must be not a difficult model to build. It's just wireframes, like unfinished stuff. It's a really but unique it... look, though. Like I've never seen anything like that on Trek. Yeah, no, it looked cool, and it's huge too. Like it, it feels like it. It like there's a shot but of those, it. There's never like, there's never just a handful of Jem'Hadar ships. There's always a huge swarm of them. Like yeah. they must be building hundreds or thousands of them. You yeah, know? it's just but the way it's sort of made, like there's no sort of real shape to it. It just sort of folds around in the background. It's a, it's it's very weird looking, and I kind of love it. Yeah. But so basically the idea is that they fly down, they shoot some lasers into the sun. It doesn't work, because I guess they didn't shoot enough lasers into the sun. So Dominion ships yeah, no, there's show a, up. There's a, there's a, there's a, hang on, real quick. There's a great moment where O'Brien is trying to explain to Martok what happened, or uh, what didn't happen. And he gets about two sentences into the Technobabble, and, and Martok rolls his one eye, and he's like, ugh! <laughs> So did we do it or not? <laughs> and Martok's usually very patient, but he just does not care. Yeah. Like, how do we make it blow up? I don't care about the science at all. <laughs> well. Anyway, go ahead. I'm glad you asked. Anyway, so eventually, so eventually some Dominion ships attack. They fly around some more. They shoot a beam again. This time it works. The sun blows mm-hmm. up. Takes out the Dominion ships. Takes out the space station. We get a woohoo moment. Yep. Everyone's celebrating, and then Worf prays, because that's how he celebrates. Well, of course. Because fucking Worf. Worf, come on, aren't we all happy now? Yes, this is how I show that. Yes, I am very happy. Now I will chant for 30 minutes, and all of you will join me! Uh... It's time to cut our hands up some more! But we talked about this, like, when in the wedding episode. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, his bachelor party is suffering. Yep. That's just quintessentially Worf. He loves it. So how is this any different? It's not, I'm just sick of it. Okay. That's fine. I, like I, I am not blaming the show at all. Like, they have perfectly realized this character, and they continue to show how, like, they continue to show this character, like, the, exactly the way he should, should be portrayed. I have no problem with that. I am just sick of the character. <laughs> okay, so it's it's similar to your hatred of... Kai Wynn? It's very similar to my hatred of Kai Wynn. You have done an amazing job of making me hate this character. Good good show, everybody. Uh, You should all be very proud. But, for Kai Wynn, you want to hate her. Like, you like her as an adversary. Yes. You just hate her. Yes. Would you be happier if Worf just left the show at this point? Or do you still, do you now enjoy hating him? Like, do you understand what I'm asking? No, he should be around. Okay. No, I'm, I I wouldn't. So I can fume at him. But if you're, if you're just kind of sick of, like, ugh, they've done everything they can do with this character, it's in character, but I don't care anymore. Yeah. I could see that. That's a valid argument. No, they, they can... You still want him around. They can, pl- what they should, you know, they get the rest of DS9 to finish up this character, but after that I'm pretty much done with him. Well, I mean, so are they. <laughs> but Unfortunately, but... then there were two more Trek movies afterwards. I, that's true. But it's not like he shows up on Voyager or Enterprise. Like, I don't yeah. think there's any cameos, or there might be, but I, like, yeah. I don't know. 
those shows did stuff with time travel and flashbacks and all Star Trek stuff, so it's possible, but I don't think that he does. Yeah. Um, but I don't like. But but what I'm, what I was asking, and now I have the answer. It was like after they killed Jadzia, if if they just said, and then Worf left because he couldn't deal with it anymore, that's not what you want. No, because I still like I still like him as a reason for Martok to show up. Okay. Worf being around means that I get to see some more some more other Klingons who I actually like. Fair enough. Like I don't, I haven't seen much of Voyager, but I'm pretty sure there is a there are not very many Klingons on that show. Well, I mean, their engineer is a Klingon, half Klingon, right? But I mean, that's like saying Spock is half Vulcan. That is true. I guess that's true. Yeah. But still, like that's what his character is about is yeah. being a Vulcan. So you know. I'm pretty sure, like, there's probably some conflict between her Klingon half and human half, but I'm pretty sure they play her as a Klingon. Yeah. But my point is, like, I don't expect to see any, like, Klingon politics stuff, which I like. No. Okay. Um, what else? I don't know. What was your quote for the first episode, by the way? Oh, yeah. It, it um, ties to this whole mission, right? Yes. Uh, what was it? You had the, uh... Oh, the... um, the whole scene where, uh, uh... Bashir's like, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go on this adventure with with Wolf to to help get to to help uh, Jadzia, and then Chief O'Brien just pipes up with this. Miles, you don't understand. You weren't as close to her as I was. This gives me a chance to honor her memory, and I'm gonna take it. And that, my friend, is my final word on the subject. Well, you know what this means, don't you? Yes, that I'm risking my life for a very dubious cause. No. It means I'm going to risk my life for a friend who's risking his life in a very dubious cause. You're going with him? Well, somebody has to make sure he comes back in one piece. <sighs> Miles, I don't know what to say. I'm touched. You're both touched. Yeah. Which is adorable. As I said in my summary. Yep. Bashir's going because he loved Dax, and O'Brien's going because he loves Julie. It just reminds me of that scene where from The Simpsons where Homer joins the Navy. <laughs> It's just like it's my first day. <laughs> I'll go quack, with you, Homer, to make sure. I'll go with you, Homer, to make sure you're okay. And I can't let my best customer go without me, so I'll come too. And I will come too for some reason. As long as none of you are voiced by uh, Harry Shearer. Yep. He's out. Mm-mm. Okay. No Anything more Shearer. Uh. I think we hit everything. Yeah. That that seems to be all. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Great great kickoff to the season. Mm-hmm. And I know we got a couple of duds coming up, but for the most part, I remember a lot of good stuff about this season. And uh, you guys aren't listening anyway, because by this point, whenever Al says something great is going to happen or something bad's going to happen, I'm almost always wrong. Yeah. So just just, just ignore that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to write to us for our next supplemental, the address is postatomichorror at gmail. Our website, postatomichorror.com. Our Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. I think that's it. Oh, and uh, in August of this year, in August, I want to say the 22nd. Yes, I'm looking over at my calendar now, the 22nd. Mm. We will be recording our first Voyager episode. Yes. In front of a live audience. Yes. At Seattle's Pocket Theater. Uh the more details to follow, but uh, just just so you know, it's definitely happening. I've I've booked the venue. the The guy who runs the pocket is a friend of mine, and he's he's excited about this idea. He's like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." So, uh, August twenty second. Yeah, uh, it's a Saturday. Uh, we will be recording the actual episode. I think around five, and possibly doing a screening of the uh, of the episodes prior to that. If you want to watch along with us, mm-hmm. so uh, again, more details to follow. But uh, save the date. Yes. 
And with that, we will say to you... See you, folks. Uh... The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.